Take your Bibles and look, turn to Luke chapter 17, and we'll be looking at this event that takes place in, uh, in Jesus' life and use it this morning as a springboard to teach us to be thankful in the things that God has given us and, and how He provides for us every day. Do you have a copy of my scriptures? Thank you very much. Today we're going to be talking about this subject of thankfulness. One of the things, uh, uh, one of the things required to be thankful is we must first see what we're to be thankful for. I mean, that's one of the things that I have found that uh, as, as we raise up our children, one of the things that we do, when, especially you know, if somebody comes in and at a birthday party and our children are young and somebody brings them a gift. What, what, do we tell, what do we have to tell them to do? Say thank you. Well, why is it that we have to tell them to say thank you? What's the reason that we have to tell them? Because they don't recognize. They do not see that they need to be thankful. Being thankful is something that we have to teach them. So is, the, is it human nature for us to naturally and automatically to be thankful? Well, no, it's not. It's not human nature. Again, it is something that must be taught to be thankful. So this is the question uh, about that. Uh, thankfulness is something that we've got to be taught. I want to look in some of the scriptures this morning that tell us how to be thankful and when we're to be thankful. I have these scriptures on a piece of paper somewhere, but I'm going to have to turn to them now. So uh, look with me in Psalms 105 real quick. I want you to know that in, in the scriptures, it teaches us in over 150 places to be thankful. Does that, does that surprise any of us? It tells us that, hey, hey, give thanks. Hey, 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 did I just tell you? We, we need to remember to give thanks in Psalms 105. I just, I'm going to just paraphrase. It just tells us to say, give thanks unto the Lord. In Psalms 136, 1 through 3, it says, give thanks to, unto the Lord for his mercy. Give thanks unto the Lord for his tenderness. Give thanks to the Lord. And it just continues, and it makes a list of things that we should give thanks for. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, it says, in everything, give thanks. In Philippians 4, 6, it says, that when we pray and we ask for anything, it says, do all of these things with thanksgiving. So this is what the scripture tells us about thanksgiving. And it tells us and it teaches us that we are to be thankful. It's not something that just comes automatically and it's not something that we learn from nature. We have to be taught how to be thankful. So this is what we're going to be looking at this morning. In teaching our kids to be thankful, well, what if what if you said, okay, uh, well, this is when when we used to go trick or treating, we'd go up and hold our bags open, and that's what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to throw candy in our bag, and then we turn around and we go to walking away. And and I remember one time, well, this is with our granddaughter. I remember one time, uh, Brian would not say thank you. She got something, somebody brought her something and gave it to her, and her mom said, well, Brian, say thank you, and 
She just looked up at her and she wouldn't say it. Mom took the piece of candy or whatever it was she was just given and took it away from her and gave it back. And you see what she was teaching her at that moment. He says, now listen, if you're not willing to say thank you, the item that you were given, this gift that you were given, was given to you, and because they have given that to you freely, thank you is expected. So it's something that has to be taught. Being thankful is something that needs to be taught. So let's look in Luke chapter 17. We're going to be looking through verses 11 through 19, and we're going to see what takes place here in Jesus' life as he's on his way to Jerusalem. Now, if you look in the Gospels, you realize that the Gospels are four different books written by four different men on a different... On, it's the same life of Jesus. But if you look at the Gospels, you'll see that some of them record a particular story and then some of them leave out particular events. And I guess it's whatever God inspired that writer to place in that passage. I find it very interesting when we are fixing to look at this this is the event where Jesus comes across ten lepers and he heals them of their leprosy. But I want to set the stage where we'll understand exactly where Jesus is and what is taking place. If you know, if you look in the map section of your Bible, you're going to see that Galilee, an area where Jesus teaches, is north of Jerusalem. All right? So Galilee is an area about the size of my hand on the map. Sitting right under Galilee is an area called Samaria. Samaria is not the nation of the Jewish people. Samaritans are part Jewish, but the Jews didn't have much to do with the Samaritans. And then right below Samaria is uh, is uh the area where Jerusalem is in Judea. So you have Galilee, which is a Jewish nation, Judea, which is a Jewish nation, and in between there is the country of Samaria. All right? The, the Jews and the Samaritans did not have much to do with each other. As a matter of fact, when you read the story of the Good Samaritan, you see that the Samaritans and the Jews pretty much hated each other. It was a racial thing. Okay? I think we're familiar with that. It's something that's racial. So this is what was taking place. Jesus is up in Galilee when he receives a message from one of the servants of Martha and Mary, and this servant comes to Jesus and said, Hey, I'm letting you know Lazarus is sick. Now you're going to read this story in John chapter 11 where Jesus gets the message that Lazarus is sick. And if you remember in the... In the the, the event that Jesus stays in Galilee for how many more days? For two more days. And then he begins to make his way from Galilee down to Jerusalem. So now Jesus is going from Galilee. He's going through the country of Samaria. And when we get to this first verse here in verse number 11, we're going to see, it's going to say that while Jesus is on his way, to Jerusalem. This is right in the middle of this event. In other words, between chapters uh, in, in verse 10 and 11, what you're going to see is you're going to see the whole chapter of John chapter 11 taking place between these two verses. 
Because that's where Jesus is at. He has now been called down to come to Jerusalem and attend to, attend to his friend Lazarus. So that's where we find ourselves. So Jesus is on his way. I want to, I want to go ahead and read these scriptures, 11 through 19. I want to read all the way through them. But then I want to go back and I want to dissect and I want us to see the relevance of the words that we find in these scriptures. So look with me in Luke chapter 11, and I mean 17, Luke chapter 17 and verse number 11. And let's look at it together. And he said, It came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten, le ten men that were leprous, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go, show yourself unto the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet giving him thanks and he was a Samaritan and Jesus answered and said were there not ten cleansed but where are the nine they are not found that return to give glory to God save this stranger and he said unto him arise go thy way thy faith have made thee whole now let's break this down. Let's make sure that we understand every detail about what is taking place here. I just mentioned in verse 11, it says he came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. We just mentioned that. He is coming down from Galilee, going through Samaria, and he's going down to Jerusalem. This is about a 60 or a 70 mile trip that he is taking. So it's going to take him a couple of days to get there. Verse number 12, it says, And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. Now, if you've, if you've heard much preaching, when the word leprosy or lepers comes into account, most of us realize that the custom back in those days was that lepers were not allowed to live inside the city. Leprosy was a very, very contagious disease. Not only were they not allowed to live in the city because it was a contagious disease, but if you look in Leviticus chapter 13 and verse 46, it tells you that is the law that it was given. If they have a disease like this, they are not allowed inside the city. As a matter of fact, one of the things that was determined by that if a man was to get a white flaky place on his arm, what he was required to do, he was required to go to the priest, show it to the priest, and you can read every step and every detail that takes place here in the Old Testament. The priest is required to wash that with water. He was to come back in three days, and if that fleshy place was still there or if it was still white and flaky, he was determined to have leprosy, and he was put outside the city. He was not allowed to come back into the city until he came back before the priest, the priest was to examine him again, and the priest could either determine that he was clean and that he could stay in the city or that he was unclean and he still had to stay outside the city. So this, 
For these men to be afar off, this was because the law said, if you have leprosy, you're not allowed in the city. Now, I want you to know the disease of leprosy is one especially again in the Old Testament is referred to and it is referenced to uh, uh, sin. Okay, not that a person that had leprosy was necessarily a vile sinner or he done something to get it. That's not what it's referencing to. But the fact that sin had to remain outside the city is a reference to us when we read in the New Testament and it tells us as Christians, come you out from among them and be you separate. In other words, church, we're to not live sinful lives. We're not to live lifestyles of sin. We're supposed to be different. We're supposed to come out from among the world. That is why we're called Christians, because we are to live Christ-like. That's why we read, and that's why we study, and that's why we know what the Word of God says about our lifestyle, so that we do not appear and look worldly. Okay, let me give you another example about leprosy. I want you to know sin is contagious. I tell our young people when I speak to them about the friends they choose, I say, if you go to the pig pen and you leave, does the pig smell like you or do you smell like the pig? Well, everybody knows, everybody knows that. Everybody knows that if you mix yourself in the world, Christians, if you think you can go and dabble in the world and the world's not going to stick to you, we're wrong. The Bible says the world is to stay outside the camp. It's not supposed to come in. If you try to live part of the world and, and part of the Christian walk, the world is going to rule out every single time. So when we look at this example and we're talking about leprosy, understand that that's part of it. Watch this. How many of you knew that the disease of leprosy, it affects the nervous system? And if let's say, for example, if you have it on your arm... One of the first places the leprosy attacks is the nerves of your arm. Now you will sit down and a person that has leprosy looks down at their arm and basically it is, it is pretty much just rotting away. Okay, That's what leprosy does. It just eats away at the flesh. But the first thing it attacks is the nervous system of your arm. You look at your arm and you feel no pain. You realize that? And do you know what? That's what a lot of Christians believe. They, they go, oh, well, I don't feel like it's affecting me. I look and well, yeah, I realize that I've got the world in me a little bit, but it's not bothering me. It, it doesn't hurt me. It's, it's not having any effect on my life. It doesn't affect my children or my family. or any. I hear people talking about like that with pornography. Well, that don't affect anybody but me. I mean, it's not a big deal. It don't affect anybody. You know what? It's because you've got leprosy and it's the nerves away. You don't think it is, but I want you to know it's affecting the way you think. It's affecting the way you treat people. It's affecting your family. It's affecting your children. Everything about it is affecting you. So when we look at this, understand the reason that this event is put in the Word of God is not simply to tell us that Jesus has the power to heal leprosy. This leprosy all through the Scripture gives us a picture of something far beyond just a simple disease. Now notice what it says again in this verse. 
And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. Now, if you read in the Old Testament, what you're going to find that there was a law. If you had leprosy, you were not to go around anyone. And as soon as you saw someone, as soon as you saw someone, I mean in a far distance, you were to cry out, Unclean! Unclean! And when someone heard those words, they knew immediately that there was a group of lepers up ahead of them. So they would do all they could do to, to go around them or, or stay away from them, but it was required that they cry out that they were unclean. So from a great distance, from a great distance, it says they were afar off. Verse 13 says, And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, we have to understand they're a, lot, a great distance away. We understand the law required them to cry out unclean as soon as they saw someone else. How did they know this was Jesus? From a great distance away, how did they know this was Jesus? We're still talking afar off. It doesn't say that they were just over there. Listen, if they were just over there, I mean, you know, I, I can recognize you. Now, if you're talking about a far off, I mean, it's like we're looking down the road. Well, I see somebody coming, but I, I can't quite make out who that is. I don't know if somebody else has gone down the road. I don't know if somebody has told them that said, hey, listen, Jesus is headed down this way, and they're sitting there looking. Maybe that's Jesus. We have heard the testimony that Jesus can heal lepers. We're going to cry out to him, Master! Who is, when you cry out, Master, what are you saying? You're in charge. Commander, another translation, the, another translation that the, the translators had a choice to choose, they could have said, Commander, the one in charge, Master, they recognized and they called his name, Jesus, we know who you are. We recognize you as a master. We know who you are. We know what you can do. We're asking that you have mercy on us. There's a conversation being taken place with a group of ten men who are afar off. Jesus, master, have mercy on us. Now, I think we understand also that almost everywhere Jesus went, he had the 12 disciples with him, but normally there were larger groups of people with him because he is walking and talking and teaching as he goes along. So when we see that he is crying out, notice what this next verse says. And it's in verse 13 it says, And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And Jesus hollers back. And when he saw them, he said unto them, you know, sometimes I think that we think this. I think most people think that Jesus always just spoke solemnly and softly. Go and show yourself to the priest. You know, I, and I don't think Jesus was solemn and 
and soft spoken at all. I think Jesus was I think Jesus was happy. I think Jesus laughed a lot. I, I, I think they hollered, Master Jesus had mercy on us. Hey guys, go show yourself to the priest. They're still afar off. They're not close. Go show yourself to the priest. I, I don't think it was that way at all. Did, hey guys, did y'all hear? Hey, go show yourself to the priest. I'm, I'm going to heal these guys. Watch this. Go show yourself to the priest. That's what the law told them to do. If they, if they had leprosy and they were cleansed because of something maybe they've done or whatever, they were to go and show themselves to the priest. It tells us in Leviticus chapter 14 and verse 2, that's exactly what it tells them to do. Hey, these guys knew. Okay, man, I've, I'm not healed. He, he said go to the priest. Hey, let's just, let's just go to the priest. That's what he told us to do. It's, it's not Jesus didn't make a pack of mud and rub it all over their skin. He didn't do any of that. All right? Jesus just yelled back to them, go show yourself to the priest. He was telling them to do that because that's what the Scripture told them to do if they were healed of leprosy. They were to go show themselves to the priest. Now, let me ask you this question. I mentioned already he is in a city or he is in the vicinity there of Samaria. If Jesus is telling a group of people to go to the priest, what is the majority of this group made up of? Huh? No, it's not made up of... Samaritans don't go and worship at the, at the temple. They don't, they don't go to the priest. They don't believe the same thing the Jews believe. They have their own God. They have their own place to worship. If you remember when Jesus was speaking to the woman at the well, he, she says, y'all say that we're supposed to go to Jerusalem, but we worship on this mountain. See, we have a completely different way and a worship system than you do. So when Jesus is crying out to this group and telling them to go to the priest, and they start going to the priest, it's because the majority of the people he is speaking to in this group are Jews. They knew what they were supposed to do. All right, so here they are. They're headed to the priest. But something happened. Something happened on the way. Verse 14 again, and it says, When he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourself unto the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. As they went. So they're being obedient to what Jesus said. And as they went, that is when the miracle took place. You can say that it's their faith because they followed Jesus' direction. Remember there was a time when Jesus walked up to a blind man and said, and, or, or a lame man and said, hey, take up your mat and go home. And he just picked up his mat and went home. didn't say Jesus touched him. It didn't say Jesus made mud. There was another time when he touched the blind man. He touched the blind man's eyes and he was healed. Another time he made mud. Remember, he spit on the ground, he made mud, he put it in this guy's eyes, and he says, hey, now go wash in the pool of Siloam. You see, he didn't, do it. he didn't heal people the same way every time. He would look inside those people's hearts and see what they needed in order to express their faith. Remember the guy that was sitting there waiting for somebody to put him into the water, the pool, the pool so that the water would be stirred when an angel came and I don't have anybody to put me in the pool. Well, Jesus says, well, do you want to be healed? And that was kind of a dumb question, don't you think? 
Well, sure I do. But I need somebody to put me in the pool. He said, well, here, just take up your bed and walk. How's that sound? Okay. And it was his faith that made him whole. So here they are, and they're walking. They're doing what Jesus said to do. And it says, and while they walked, they were cleansed. Now, this is the part that this whole Thanksgiving message is surrounding. As they walked, they were healed. Verse 15, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. As he is walking, and when he saw that he had been healed, it is then that he just had a little worship ceremony right there. I mean, he began with a loud voice to glorify God. Now, I used that example a few minutes ago about, about somebody that received a gift and they didn't want to say thank you. Well, if you receive a gift and, and you don't want to say thank you, well, maybe you felt like you deserved that. You know? Well, I deserve that. I don't need to say thank you for something I deserve. But you see, when, when this man, when this man saw what had taken place, this man recognized that he did not deserve to be healed. This was a miracle that had taken place. Because the question is fixing to be asked, well, where's the other nine? Didn't they get out? They also were healed. Jesus knew they were healed. Well, I'm a Jew. I deserve to be healed. There's no need for me to say thank you. I just, I'm taking for granted that I am, I am supposed to be healed. That was Jesus' job. Why should I tell him thank you? That's his job to do that. There's a lot of reasons people are not grateful. The Bible even speaks that in the days, in the latter days, in the perilous times, people are going to be unthankful. They're going to recognize. They're going to, this, this, uh, Oh, what is the word they're using today for these people that believe that they, they deserve all of this entitled? People feel entitled today. That's why they have become unthankful. They're not thankful for whatever, whatever things that they're receiving. They feel like they're entitled. They feel like they deserve you to take care of them, to provide for them. They feel, un they feel unthankful. That's what the scripture says is coming. It's, it's coming. I believe it's already here. But this man, this man saw that he just received something that he didn't deserve. He saw that he, he received something that he couldn't do on his own. He saw that he, did, he received something that he was completely and totally unworthy of. He wanted to tell someone, thank you. And when he saw this, everything about him was changed. I want you to know it's not an accident when we read in the scripture and it used the word turned back. Verse 15, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. You know what the, what is a word that's in the Bible that we use that references or, or uh, the word turned back was referenced to? is the word repent. Turn around. I want you to know, I was once a sinner, but I came. I can't remember. 
pardon to receive from my Lord. When I was nine years old, and most all of you in here pretty much know my testimony, but I want you to know I was a sinner and I was walking and serving myself. And when I came to know the Lord Jesus Christ and I realized that He saved me from my sins, I turned back. I turned toward Jesus. I started serving Him with my life. I received something that I didn't deserve and I recognized it. And that is why the message is see and be thankful. We sometimes need someone to show us that we have received something that we need to be thankful for. I can't remember what song we were singing. I was up here and and I just stopped and I just began to pray. And I just began to pray and thank God for all that He has done for me. I thanked Him for my wife. I thanked Him for my family. I thanked Him for my grandchildren. I thanked Him for my, my daughter-in-laws. I, th- I just began to thank Him for my health. I began to thank Him for my sight. God, I, I just thank You for this church. I thank You for the community. I thank You for the breath that I have every day. God, I thank You for Your beauty. I thank You for the air that You provide for us. And I began to say, thank you, thank you. And I, I had to stop and think about some things to be thankful for. I had to start thinking. And that's what we need to be doing. That's why it tells us over 150 times in the Scriptures and reminds us to be thankful, to be thankful, to be thankful. We must be taught to be thankful. We must look around and see the things that we need to be thankful for. Why did those nine not turn around and go back and say, Thank you, Jesus? He asked the question. Why didn't I heal ten? Where are the other nine? See, I think that's an important question today. Didn't I heal ten? Where did they go? They're not here. But it's when he saw that he glorified God. I I, I want to... I I used that scripture this morning, Psalms 40, and I just want to look at it again and and see what it said and expresses that when he pulled me up out of the Maori clay and when he put my feet upon the rock and he put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God, then it says this, many shall see it. Many shall see it. (laughs) Remember when, when Jesus healed that lame man up in the temple, he was laying there by that pool and he was trying to get somebody to roll him in and and directly he's up there and he's walking around inside the temple and, and one of them old guys looked at him and he said, hey, aren't, aren't you that guy that used to lay by the, the thing up there? He said, I sure was. I used to. They saw him and they knew something had changed in his life. I want you to know when we get saved, when we allow Jesus to come into our heart and our life and forgive us of our sins, I want you to know people around you are going to see a difference. If it's real in you, people are going to see a difference. They're going to see it. They're going to see a difference because there's going to be a change because you have turned around and if there's a real change in our lives, I want you to know that something else you're going to do is you are going to glorify God. Hey, that's why there's churches all around, all around the world today with people in them because people, 
have recognized what Jesus has done in their lives and they have come to glorify God. I'm not saying everybody in the church buildings are that way, but I'm telling you the majority of the people that recognize who Jesus is, what He's done in His life, have a desire to glorify and exalt who Jesus is. It says He came, it, it says that He cried out with a loud voice, I'm under the impression that when He was afar off, I wonder, I wonder if Jesus is sitting there going, he said, I, you, you, I just see this, okay. He's sitting there and he's looking down the road. He, he's fixing, hey guys, watch. He's fixing to get it. He, he, he's fixing to see it. And here that guy is walking down the road. It says he shouted with a loud voice. I mean, he got it. He saw it. And those nine other ones were sitting there right there with him. And they went, Hey, hey, yeah, look, man. Hey, hey, we're done. Hey, that's cool. Hey, let's go to the priest and show him. Not this one guy. I mean, he really got it. I mean, Jesus could see him from a long distance away. He was shouting. And it says he glorified God. He didn't say, hey, guys, look at me. He was saying, hey, guys, look what Jesus done to me. Look what God has given to me. And the Bible says not only did he sing and shout for joy for what God has done for him, ran back to the source of his problem or the, the, his healing, and he ignored the law because he knew where his source came from, and he fell at his feet, placing his head before the Lord that had saved him. Do we understand that when Jesus healed him of his leprosy, he gave his life back to him? He gave his family back to him. He gave his livelihood back to him because he couldn't fulfill any of those things before and Jesus rescued him. Oh my goodness. He was unashamed to bow down on his face before Jesus and say, thank you, thank you, thank you. He said, I've done the same thing for those other nine. Where are they? Thank you, thank you. He had given his life back to him. Do we recognize this morning? If you're here this morning, do you recognize that when Jesus died on the cross, that he, when we put our faith and trust in him, he has given us our life back. We, are, we were doomed for hell. But He changed our direction. We now have life. Not only did He give us when we were, we were blind, but now we see. We were headed for hell, but now we're headed for heaven. We were in our sins, but now we're forgiven. We were slaves, but now we're free. Jesus died for the sins of the world. And when Jesus died for the sins of the world, I'm thinking Jesus is going, well, where's the rest of these people? There's plenty of room in these pews today to bow down, to worship, and to praise God. Well, Jesus, I think, is going more. I died for all those cars that we hear going by out there. He died for their sins. He died for all of their sins. Where, where are they at today? Why are they not worshiping? Do they not recognize? See, I think the problem in our society today is that we don't See, 
And, I, I, and I'm not picking on America. I think it's more so in America, and it is because of this entitlement mentality. Well, I deserved for Jesus to die for me. I'll take it or leave it. I'll do what I want to with it. But you see, Jesus has done it for all of us, but yet very, very few are coming back and bowing down and worshiping Him and turning around, giving our life to the one who deserves it. Giving our life. The whole thing about thanksgiving begins with us seeing. We need to be able to see why we should be thankful. The invitation this morning is simple. The invitation this morning is give thanks for the things that you can see. If we could just simply stop for a minute this morning, and I'm going to ask our, our musicians to come and just, just begin to softly play. And I want us to take a minute, and, and maybe, maybe this week we haven't taken time to do exactly that. God, I just want you to burden my heart right now. If you, would, you don't have to close your eyes, but you'd be a lot less distracted. God, I just want you to reveal to me the things that I need to tell you thank you for. How long has it been since you thanked God for your husband or for your wife? How long has it been since you've thanked God for your job, for your health? How long has it been since you thanked God for your children, your grandchildren? How long has it been since we just said, God, I just want you to look into my heart and God reveal to me the things that, that I can't see for myself. God, I want to be thankful. Help me to give you thanks in all parts of my life. I'm going to just ask you if you would to just stand this morning. We're not going to sing, but I'm just going to ask you to stand and I'm going to ask you if you would to just take time this morning. Maybe you just need to come and respond to the altar and say, Lord, I just want to tell you thank you for all the things that you've done. It could be that you're here this morning and you know about Jesus dying on the cross and, but what you've not done, you've never said, God, I want to thank you for your son Jesus and I want to accept him into my heart because I want to be thankful for what you have done for me. It may be that there's someone here this morning that you recognize that you just need to go tell them thank you for being the person that they are, the wife that they are, the husband they are, or the example they are, the teacher they are, whatever, the, whatever it is that the Lord might lay on your heart this morning. But my prayer this morning is that we would see and then be thankful. Father, as we stand right now, I'm just asking you that you would reveal to us the things that we should be thankful for. And God, help us to be uh, people of thanksgiving grateful people. God, we recognize as we look into the Word what you have done on the cross for us, the suffering that you had. God, and we recognize that you tell us that one day you're coming again. So God, we just want to be thankful not only for what you have done, but what you are going to do in our lives. Thank you so much for all that you've done with me. Thank you for this church, what it means to this community. Father, over the next few minutes, I, my prayer is that you will sense 
and recognize all the thanksgiving that is coming from this room as we in our hearts are saying thank you for what you have done for us. Thank you again in Jesus' name.